Hey, how you doing? Assalamu alaikum. It's Imran here. Hope you're well, enjoying the beautiful sunshine if you're in the Northern Hemisphere and if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, keeping nice and warm. Okay, so you already know the subject of this episode and it is a heavy one and it is an important one. And it's important in two regards. Number one, in and of the subject itself, i.e. what is the Islamic position on abortion? Because clearly there's been a lot of discussion around this uh, recently with what's happened in the United States. And that's thrown up uh, a lot of discussion, um, some of which which is more towards the pro-life camp and some of which is more towards the pro-choice camp. Um, And as there is confusion in this area, I thought we'd look to, well, at least move the conversation forwards. Uh, And the second reason for discussing this is that it poses an interesting kind of... It's an interesting example of something which the Muslim community will have a particular position on and perhaps it will be different, perhaps it will be different, don't prejudge it, uh, to the mainstream. And so for many of us who live in liberal democracies around the world and are minorities within those democracies, uh, the question is as to how we uh, how we look to fit in what it is we believe in within the wider context of a liberal environment where there are lots of opinions flying about that impact our lives. So see what you think. It's a great discussion, stroke debate. Um, got a little bit intense, but that's good. It's always respectful. Um, and it's between myself and Elias. Many of you will be familiar with Elias, but for those of you who are new, Elias Kamani is a long-standing friend of mine who lives here in the UK, in Yorkshire, as do I. And he acts as a part-time imam, as well as a relationship counsellor, and has been doing for the last 30 years. As a professional, he works within the Muslim social services space and works with third-party organisations, whether they be governmental or charitable, who have contact with the Muslim community in order to better serve those communities and address some of the issues that we face. This includes youth programs around drug rehabilitation and de-radicalization programs. And I'm sure there's other things that I've forgotten, but you get the idea. Uh, We recently were on a road trip from Yorkshire to Edinburgh in Scotland. And um, on the way back, we decided to record this episode That does mean that there is some background noise, which if you're used to listening to crystal clear podcasts, then this isn't that. I'm I'm really sorry. We did use proper microphones, but uh, the noise dampening in my car wasn't great. So there is this general hum in the background. What I would suggest is this. Imagine you're in the car with us. Okay. imagine you're on a road trip with us. Then it will probably make it easier. Trust me this is worth listening to. The other thing to bear in mind is this. This is not fatwa hour. This is not about providing a ruling. This is meant to be a discussion which provides a form of education around a very important subject so that you, the discerning listener, can take this forwards into your own research and to discuss with your own people who know what they're talking about. This isn't a means by which you can simply throw it in front of people and say, well, this person said this on a podcast, so this is what it is. No, these are opinions, right? Now, Elias is extremely well-researched in this area. He recently 
put a uh, put a presentation together so it was a good time to talk to him about this and I'm simply a lay person who has been reading probably what you've been reading and been trying to work out what the truth is so it's a discussion okay I think that's all the housekeeping points let's crack on this is season two episode four Islam on abortion Okay, Roe versus Wade. Yeah? Yeah. Effectively, abortion is has now been criminalized in the United States to a larger or lesser extent. Certain states have immediately banned it. Others are strongly considering it and trying to make that happen very quickly. Others are against it and are trying to do their best to avoid implementing it. But ultimately, they're going to have to comply, right? So, off the back of that, a lot of Muslims have weighed in, as far as I can see on Twitter anyway. Okay. So I've been uh-huh. looking on Twitter. Right. And essentially trying to differentiate Muslims from Christians in this regard, because it's seen as an evangelical Christian position that's been right. pushed through in the States, yeah. right? Yeah. And saying essentially that this has nothing to do with us, Christendom should own it, stop dragging us into it because the Islamic position on it is essentially a liberal one. That's what I've seen. No, but, but if they're going to say that this is the Islamic position, then why weren't they defending the Islamic position then at, at a congressional level? Okay, if they're saying Islam's position is this, I think this is the interesting thing. Actually, I think the vast majority of Muslims who are not informed about what the actual Islamic position is on abortion, yeah, have actually weighed in with the religious right and actually are celebrating this because they think, oh yeah, this is a, a, a victory for religion, the relig- religious right against the liberals. So actually, I think that in, in the Muslim space, this is the case. And it's only th- those individuals who said, stop here, everyone. You know what? When we take a position on any issue that concerns human beings and their well-being and, the, and, and, the, uh, and, and also, you know, the well-being of generations to come, we've got to look at our theology. What the Quran says, what the Prophet says, what the Islamic schools of thought said, what Islamic jurisprudence has said for the last 1400 years. And there is actually no difference of opinion across the four schools of thought. There are some variations in how they, you know, put parameters and boundaries on it. But abortion is allowed within Islam. And what I find is that, you know, this is the, the, what I think Roe versus Wade, what the issues that it brings up in the Muslim space are this that we are neither pro-choice nor are we pro-life. We are not with the, not the, we're not on the liberal side, we're not on the conservative side. We are on the side where Islamic theology is based. We're on the side based on our Islamic principles and the knowledge that we have, which is very sophisticated in relation to this area. It's really sad 
that the Quran is so sophisticated when it talks about embryology. You know, I find it amazing, you know, people say, oh, the Quran talks about science and scientific miracles and scientific wonders. And people will show me the wonders of embryology in the Quran. Yet they don't apply it in real life. It's kind of almost, uh, you know, ironic that this is the, the case here. Yeah, that, you know, the Quran is amazing that it describes in repeated verses of the Quran. Beginning with the verse, you know, Iqra bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq khalaq alim insan min alaq. You know, the, Allah Ta'ala created you from a leech-like clot, yeah? And uh, every stage of, you know, embryological development from conception onwards is described in meticulous detail. Uh, to the extent that, you know, people like the eminent Dr. Keith Moore, the embryologist of his time, said that this is exactly how it's related in the knowledge that we have, so therefore this Qur'an can come from Allah. Now, if you have such precise knowledge around embryological development, then surely this allows you to take an informed position regarding whether, you know, abortion is permitted or not. But not only that, we have an explicit narration from the Prophet ﷺ. There is no disagreement of, about this narration from any of the four schools of thought. And it makes it absolutely clear. But up until 120 days, yes, what we have gestating in the womb is a living organism. But it does not have a soul. At 120 days, the angel comes and blows the soul into that fetus and now it becomes a living being with a soul and so therefore you know the killing of that being without a legitimate reason for doing so is haram unlawful within islam okay so let me let me get let me get this right so yeah. within islamic theology there there's no difference of opinion amongst all the major schools to say that under particular circumstance abortion is allowed absolutely right okay the first defining point is this 120 days. Okay. So before that 120 days, essentially it is not a person. It is uh, it is a living organism. It is a living organism. Right. And post that 120 days, let's just call it a person because it now has a soul. Absolutely. Right? Yes. Okay. And you're saying even in the pre-120 or the post-120, there is still the opportunity for abortion under particular <coughs> circumstance. So. Right. Let's just deal with the post 121st, right? I, I think you have to build up the argument systematically. And this is how it's generally done. The first part of the argument is the sanctity of all human life, number one. Maqasid of the Sharia, number one, is protection and preservation of human life. To the extent that... Sorry, Maqasid is like... Maqasid means like the objectives. Right, uh, and okay. The, you could say... So the objectives of the faith, number one, preservation of human life. The sacredness of human life and right. the preservation of human life. And okay. we, we all know the example that's always given that if you have nothing to eat, you're stranded and you have nothing to eat except khanzir, uh, pork, you have to eat it. Right, right, right. In order right. to preserve your life, yeah? Right. Even though it may be detestable for you. It's the same principle. If it is proven that by medical practitioners, by people of knowledge and understanding in that respective field, not by lay people, this is not a field for lay people. In order to be involved in this field, you have to obviously have a certain qualification. Uh, and that means that you have to be a doctor, a medical doctor, and a specialist in this particular area of work. And if they determine that a pregnancy post 180, 120 days is harmful, and harmful in many ways, harmful that it will that, that having that child will then prevent her from having further children in the future. Number one, that it will actually directly okay cause harm to her, uh, and you know is life threatening, as is the case with uh, you know particular conditions such as. Uh, preeclampsia, 
which is known that you know uh, uh, that because of the excessive levels of uh, you know high blood pressure, a woman can die as a result of, of a pregnancy. If this is, and, and, and I'm sure there are a range of other kind of conditions as well. So if it is established quite clearly by medical practitioners post 120 days that the pregnancy is significant risk to the life of the mother, there are two lives here: one life which is in existence and one life that has not come into this world yet, which is unborn. And so therefore the rights, and this is no disagreement on it, the rights of the mother overtake the rights of the unborn child. Now we look at this clinically, objectively, with knowledge, not as on, on, on an emotional level. And that's why there is an emotional kind of challenge here. You know, people sometimes can't separate the, the, their emotions from what's going on. They see this is my child in there and you know we'll get through this, we'll put trust in Allah, etc, etc. And all these are very noble things, I do not in any way belittle them. But the whole purpose of our theology is to provide us an objective reference point through which we can then, you know, obviously calibrate our behavior. That's the whole point of it. You want to kill your wife and you want to kill the mother of your children because of a, of a pregnancy when it's clearly determined. So this is post 120 days, but let's build it up systematically. Uh, because sometimes when people just hear you say the statement, oh, abortion is allowed in Islam, because it's something that they're so unused to hearing, immediately they have an Egypt reaction to it and they must think you're some kind of liberal type, yeah? And then when you say, no, actually this is established across all four schools, all four of the, you know, Sunni madhahib, yeah? The Hanafis, the Malikis, the Shafis, the Hanbalis. In fact, the Hanafi school of thought, Berzali, which is uh, the predominant school of, of Muslims in the, in the UK, is the most, you could say, uh, you know, liberal on the, on the issue of uh, abortion. And the Malikis are actually the most strictest on the issue of abortion. And these are classical rulings. These are rulings that go back, you know, a thousand years. So, you know, the knowledge that the Muslims had on the subject of embryology, you know, 1,400 years ago, determined to have them, you know, enabled them to have a sophisticated understanding of, of this whole matter. And they understood two stages, you see. This is why the 120-day ruling occurs. Up until 120 days is the embryological stage, and post-120 days is the fetal stage, and then that critical point where the angel comes and blows the spirit, the soul into the, at the, the, uh, at the fetal stage. So, you know, 120 days is 17 weeks. Right. The point of the matter is that gives ample amount of time for a woman to identify if there is a what we call pressing need. You see, let's build it up systematically. First, the sanctity of human life, all human life. Number two, contraception is allowed within Islam. The Prophet in his time allowed uh, Azal, which was the withdrawal method. And from that, Islamic scholars have made qiyas over the years to allow a range of contraceptive methods where the Muslim married couple are using this for legitimate reasons in terms of spacing out children and managing obviously their, their family, yeah. Then from this comes three rulings, the 40-day ruling, the 40 to 120-day ruling, and the post-120-day ruling. Abortion in the first 40 days is allowed, and this is what we call a chemical abortion, where, in, you know, with the technology that we have today, a woman will take, you know, obviously medication which will cause a miscarriage to occur. And uh, so zero to 40 days, there just has to be what we call a legitimate reason for doing so and uh, uh, it's as simple as that legitimate reason it could be and this is just one of the most recent cases that I was counseling on 
was uh, the mother had just had a caesarean and it was a very, uh, you know, serious birth. The caesarean uh, uh, incision was much larger than normal because of the nature of the birth. And now she's got pregnant within, you know, four months of that. And this is quite irresponsible because everyone knows that a caesarean scar takes a minimum of two years to heal. Right. Two years. This is a legitimate reason. Anyone who denies that as a legitimate reason, do they want to harm a woman? And this is only her second child. Okay, you know, she's got one child. She's clearly that she can conceive, alhamdulillah. And this is where lots of these emotional arguments are, oh, you're doing this for expediency, or you're doing this because, you know, you fear poverty, or you're doing this because, you know, you don't want to ruin your figure. Like, all kinds of strange reasons are given to emotionally blackmail the woman, yeah, not to, to do this. And then she goes ahead, you know, and then jeopardizes her whole well-being. I have literally seen, you know, and someone involved in both fields, the Islamic field and those, as well as the sexual health field, I've seen women who, because of multiple births, their health in their 30s and 40s is massively affected by the fact that they didn't look after their, their maternal health has damaged their physical health later on because of this kind of attitude. Here, abortion within 40 days, legitimate. She has a legitimate reason for doing so. Do you know the Hanifi school also even makes it clear that, that the woman doesn't even have to tell her husband. She can do this as a completely unilateral decision. So that's within 40 days. 40, to, and, and what legitimate reasons are, obviously this is through consultation, and you know, as I said, medical. We know women going through postnatal depression who have had traumatic tra pregnancies, so mental health issues are, are taken on board. We also know, look, for example, it could be that, you know, someone, you know, someone's a refugee and they've gone through, you know, a horrific refugee journey, yeah, you know, and they're, you know, traumatized by these this, there, there are lots of legitimate reasons for doing so okay before you move on then, yeah right but this doesn't mean whenever you want no it doesn't and this is why the Islamic position neither pro-life nor pro-choice it's a position which recognizes that you know the preservation of human beings well-being and it recognizes that there has to be some parameters and boundaries in this matter, not to completely liberalize it, but then also not to completely negate it. Can uh, you understand? It's a really well, wasidiyah. Well, it's that a beautiful thing about Islam on all these things, yeah? We find the beauty of Islam is that we're always middle path, alhamdulillah. Yeah, okay, but essentially we're into the realms of subjectivity. No, we're not. We are. No, 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 no we are because essentially what is legitimate can be deter can be considered to be subjective. So if you're saying that somebody's mental health can be a reason, right? Yeah. Well, to what degree? Okay. And, me... and, and who is there to say? I mean, if an individual simply says, I am not psychologically capable of going through with this, is that okay? Absolutely okay. You so see, essentially the, 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 that is, no, no, that, no, no, that, Imran, that Imran, is by choice. Ways, there's two ways we can look at this. There's two ways. The first is Islam gives principles, values, and guidelines, and it allows people then themselves to police themselves. You can look at it like this and not insult the people. And this is actually backed up by the Quran. Allah says in the Quran, فَذَكِّرْ إِنَّمَا أَنْتَ مُذَكِّرْ لَسْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ بِمُسَيْتِنِ سُرْتُ الْغَاشِيَةِ He says, remind them so they are reminded. 
do not be dictators over them, yeah? So we're not here to be haram police. We're not here to micromanage people. We say, here, I've given you the general guidelines as an instructor. And, uh, you know, I've instructed you around general guidelines, principles. These are what legitimate reasons are. Now you must apply them. And, you know, obviously, before you're creator, you're going to be held to account for your decision, yeah? So, you know, let people police themselves. So that's the first approach to do it. The second approach to doing it is the approach whereby they go to people of knowledge and understanding in these fields. I'll give you an example. So I had another sister come to me. She's, you know, there's no breach of confidentiality. These are general kind of uh, descriptors, yeah. You know, older, has children, abusive marriage, very abusive marriage, uh, where her husband forces herself, himself upon her. She has had long-term mental illness because of a whole range of issues. And she was suicidal. It, you know, this was not, I, I, I actually, as a counselor, knew about one of her suicide attempts. She's pregnant. MashaAllah, Alhamdulillah, sister, go ahead with it, go ahead with it. Would you say now that this is legitimate reason? I mean, from what you've said, yes, of yeah. course. Yeah. So, now, can you imagine her going to other people who would then, then you say, when you talk about the subjectivity argument, it's not, subjectivity only comes in when people are using an emotional response that is not grounded in knowledge and understanding. I'm using a clinical approach, weighing up both Sharia factors and, you know, you could say this whole range of other medical, psychological, clinical factors. You know, we're going through checklists with people. You know, and we're saying to them, you know, this, this, and this, and then we're, 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 because I have to be, you know, when I, when I give people a, uh, uh, you know, guidance on this, I'm held to account by Allah. Come on, man, I have to fear Allah as well, man. You know, we're not looking for expediency here. But I don't think we're here to police people. They know their own reality, and sometimes they don't want to disclose their own full reality. Do you think maybe someone who's been sexually abused might want to disclose or has had, I said someone forced themselves on my want to disclose that full reality because they realize that no one will believe me in my community. Come on, man. You know, all right. But all, all I'm saying is that I understand that perspective and uh, it's not that I disagree with it, but essentially, in practice, that's abortion by choice. Uh, of course it's abortion by choice, yeah. So that's, that's self, no, no, that's, that's... No, no, but it's... That, that, but as I said... So therefore there's no difference in no, that no, and no, no, pro-choice. legitimate reason. There has to be legitimate reason Okay, based on, see, as I said, on the... Yeah, but the individual has to decide that. Yes, so, so what? So and therefore, okay, I'll give you another scenario, which is not related to health. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'll be able to do it. Why? Too young, haven't got any money. Uh, fine, no problem. Yes, what's wrong with that? No, I'm not saying there's anything wrong. What, I'm, what, giving what, you, I'm, what, I'm what, telling what? you that what you're describing is pro-choice. Uh, it's not pro-choice. It's almost like no... no, no. Okay, give me a circumstance it wouldn't be allowed. Well, I, I think where it wouldn't be allowed is, you know, if the, if the reason basically has no legitimacy whatsoever. Such as? I told you, you know, someone who is... You know, th this idea that, okay, that I'm aborting this child because of the verse in Surah Al-Isra, do not kill your children out of fear of poverty, yeah? And people really extrapolate and stretch this quite, quite widely. And they also use the other verse in the Quran, the female child buried alive, for which crime was she killed? This was female infanticide in the time of the Prophet Abortion isn't female and infanticide. Okay, obviously, you know, it's, it's males and females. So, you know, uh, I'll, I'll give you one, one really uh, interesting way to look at it. You know, when we have some people who do some kind of uh, 
gender selection, yeah, and they say I'm gonna abort female fetuses, yeah, because yeah. I have male preference. That's a, not, not a legitimate reason. Right. That is not a legitimate reason because the theology in Islam makes it clear that this is something which is not uh, uh, prescribed, yeah, and uh, or it could be that oh, I just gonna ruin my figure, you know, something, something as kind of bizarre as, as that, or you know, and and what I look. Imran, Imran, you know when you say this, I think you're almost forgetting how traumatic this decision is for people. No one does this decision lightly. For anyone to even think that women, whatever their background, Muslim, non-Muslim, whether they're liberal or conservative or religious background, that they are, that they want to do this, okay, it's just really uh, imposing their own understanding on, 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 on this, yeah. You know, every case that I have counseled over the last 30 years in relation to this particular subject, yeah, this has been a traumatic decision for the women. I'm not yeah? suggesting and, anything and, other and than this, that. It is not something they've done not, for expediency, not, expediency, I am not suggesting or, 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 or for any shortcuts or just to, you know, because they, they don't want to, you know, for a, for a, for a Muslim woman, you know, you know, a married Muslim woman who has conceived, you know, for her not to go ahead with a pregnancy, given the position of motherhood in Islam and everything else, yeah, and for her to say, I'm not up for it, I'm not for it, it indicates underlying trauma issues and things like this, yeah. And, you know, sometimes people don't talk about the reasons why, yeah. So I think we can give them the general principles, you know, and allow them then to kind of administer itself. What, one of the things that we do... Hang on, stop, 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 stop. That's exactly what I didn't say. Yeah, I just okay. want to make that clear. All right, cool, right? cool. I'm, I'm trying to work out the difference between the theory you're presenting yeah. and the reality, right? And I'm suggesting that, and I just said, I don't disagree with it. That's I'm saying so, that in practice, yeah. you are, it, is, it essentially looks like it's pro-choice. It, it looks like that. If somebody is deciding for themselves, right, whether or not it is the right thing for them, right, how is that any different to a pro-choice okay, so, position? Okay, so look, look, so what is the pro-choice position? The pro-choice position is my like, body, my yeah, 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 my yeah, choice. Yeah, yeah, and that's not the Islamic position. The Islamic position is always governed by our overall theology. What? First and foremost, it's not our body. It's Allah's amana to us. The conception that we have is again a blessing from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and human life and what is in the womb has to be taken sacred. Is, is sacred because you know why? Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's name. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, and it says, Allah says the womb was named after me, okay, Rahm, means the womb, right. okay, so, you know, these principles are very weighty in our religion, they're not things which are to be taken trivially and nonchalantly and casually, no, they require, like I said, the application of principles and frameworks and boundaries and all of this kind of stuff, yeah, as I said, there are two approaches, you know, you give people the, the knowledge, the principles, and I think this is the reason why no one talks about this in the Muslim space. Because I always hear this from Muslims, that if we talk about certain stuff and people become aware of it, it's almost like we're giving permission for them to do it, yeah? But then by not giving them knowledge and guidance, yeah, then you create sometimes even more challenging situations which create crisis for people as well. I think the best way that these matters should be administered is the second way, that when people have a need for this, they go to people of knowledge and understanding who are experienced in these areas, who have the Islamic knowledge as well as the medical knowledge, as well as the knowledge around reproductive health, and therefore give them a balanced understanding and ruling based on this. The reality is, how accessible do you think people like that are to our community? Sorry, say that again? How accessible are people like that in our community? 
scholars and teachers and instructors like this. Well, not accessible at all. So, yeah. And that's part of the problem. You know, we need a lot more guidance around Islamic reproductive health and, and sexual health, especially when, you know, like I said, the Quran talks about it quite extensively, yeah? So, okay, we've explained the first 40-day principle, which is that, you know, you're allowed to have an abortion within the first 40 days for without any reason whatsoever, uh, without, uh, sorry, you know, without, with a legitimate reason, yeah? When you have a legitimate reason, and that, that is given to the individual to determine themselves. Now, when it goes, and, and remember, at 40 days, we are in the embryonic stage, which is just a collection of cells. You know, people get really emotional about this stuff, yeah? You know, one of the things that I remember a lot of my teachers used to say is that, you know, when, you know, if you and your wife, and this is just a, this isn't Islamic guidance, this is just wisdom, yeah? They say, look, you know, don't even mention that there is a pregnancy until at least 120 days, they would say, yeah? Or at least three months, yeah? Because we know that there are a lot of miscarriages within just natural causes within three months anyway. Yeah, you know, people, especially young couples, they get so excited, oh, and they want to share it with everyone and everything else. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's just a bundle of cells. I know that's a really, uh, you know, uh, clinical way of looking at it, but you have to, you know, because as soon as you start to look at it beyond that, this is where it, it kind of people do not start to adhere to our theology. So. And, and it's, like I said, a bundle of cells, it's an embryonic stage. And, and 17 weeks, amazingly, is where really it goes from embryonic to fetal stage. And as I said, now the ruling on from 40 days to 120 days is this, that in order to have an abortion here, then what we're doing is that we also have to have what you call legitimate reason. Uh, the, however, as it progresses further and further, the legitimacy has to go to a higher threshold if you think if you, if you you know see what I mean. So it's therefore it's not completely arbitrary. You've got to be able to prove it much more. There, there is a, just a higher uh, you know kind of uh, threshold in terms of what is considered to be a legitimate reason why. And again, it comes back to these factors: is it harmful to health, holistic health, mind, body, soul? Is it something which is going to cause you know long-term damage to the individual? And, and you know these things again have to be assessed and, and determined. So now. hang on, hang on. So you're yeah. saying between the 40 and 120 day period, right. um, the threshold for actually having an abortion Islamically gets higher, and uh, and by that it's a case of actually proving to a third party. It's it's no well, I, it's I, no longer up to you. You have to actually have some I, I, kind I th of. I think I think no no it's still up to you. It's still up to the ultimately the husband and the wife. It's still up to them. But I think what I would advise them in order for their decision to be something which is based on has greater legitimacy, that they should obviously consult people of knowledge and understanding yeah, and secure, you know, uh, uh, that kind of verdict from them as well. And if it's a medical practitioner, where the medical practitioner say yes, this is harmful, you know, or this is something which is legitimate. And uh, and this is where it kind of limits that, what you say, that total... I don't think the term pro-choice is, is the effective way of kind of describing it. The total liberalizing of this. You know, where it's just totally, you're free to do it without any reason or legitimacy whatsoever. And so what it's doing is just, it's just placing... A, and that's why the Islamic position is a unique position. Not pro-choice, not pro-life, but based on, like I said, a clear balance between 
scientific knowledge and understanding, medical knowledge and understanding, as well as the sanctity of human life and protecting that and preventing immorality and preventing, pre preventing obviously, you know, the rights of, of, of generations to come as well. We, we, you know, they have rights as well, yeah? So it's taking into account all of these things and it's putting governing principles in place. So that goes from 40 to 120 days. What do you reckon? Do you reckon it's okay? Or is that, do you reckon that's also just a bit too arbitrary? No, I'm simply trying to understand. That's all. I'm, okay. not, I'm not forming a judgment on it. It's just a case of uh, um, looking at... I, I, when I think about these things, I think about how a society acts rather than individuals. How it looks okay. in society. Okay. Right? Because if, when we talk about Muslims, right, it's, we're just as diverse as any other group of people. Absolutely. We right? So there is, no, there is no real thing yeah. of like... There, there are irreligious They're Muslims, place, but yeah. still Muslims. Right. There are people who are very conservative, social conservative Muslims, right? There's everything in between, yeah. right? Um, and therefore, I think about a society, and therefore, what is legitimate and illegitimate is a broad spectrum. So, when you speak about these things, I'm just thinking about, okay, how would it look like if yeah. it was implemented? Yeah. And what I'm hearing is it's sensible. I mean, I'm not, I can't say whether it's right or wrong, but I'm just saying it sounds sensible and workable, right? It does sound... Okay, it does, hang on, hang on. Yeah, sorry. It does sound open to, quote-unquote, abuse, right? I.e., it's self-governing, right? It's not regulated by the state, yeah. for example, okay. right? And therefore, it is open to people simply making up reasons in order for... I'm not, and I'm not saying that's an illegitimate reason, I'm just saying it, that's that's no, what no. I think about. It. That's okay. what it might look so, like. So let's look at then not allowing it, and therefore, you know, what we then do is in these cases where there is a legitimate reason for doing so, women are, are in these cases then have to have these children. Yeah, what happens then in these cases? And we haven't even started talking about the rulings on women as a result of rape. As we know, there was a whole range of fatawa that were given. In relation to Bosnia, when the women who were part of the rape camps there, uh, who were systematically raped as a weapon of war by the Serbians, and uh, you know, you know, may Allah Subhanahu wa Taala truly, you know, protect those women and, and honor those women, inshallah. I mean, you know, so that was again interesting. A whole range of rulings came out from that, you know, real life situation. Yeah. So let's then allow, let's prevent, let, let's prohibit it, and take the pro-life religious right position. What happens to all, all these women? What do you think is going to happen? Well, illegal abortions. Okay, and what do you think, how, how do you think that affects the women who are involved? In yeah, they're at risk and they're more at risk of suffering health problems and dying as a result. Yeah. And not just uh, physical harm, you know, emotional harm, yep. long-term spiritual harm, you know, and not just them, their children, their families, their, you know, it has, it has really wide ramifications. I don't know if you remember that case in, uh, was it in Ireland, yeah? Where, and that resulted in the change in the uh, abortion laws there. It was a woman who, of, I think, an Indian Hindu background who died as a result, because they didn't have abortions in Ireland, didn't they? Yeah, oh, yeah. I can't remember yeah, her name, years yeah. Back, yeah, yeah. And, you know, she tragically died as a result of the fact that she was denied an abortion due to legitimate medical reasons, yeah? And then, obviously, she came to the mainland. And then again, you know, I think this is going to happen in American states. I can't believe this is happening in 2022. And it just says, you know, so much for, you know, you know, you're purporting to hold certain values, yeah, that women are going to cross state lines to have abortions, but they're going to be committing a criminal act. 
essentially, yeah? Can't believe this is happening, yeah? Anyway, so she died as a result of being denied an abortion in Ireland. And uh, she couldn't travel to uh, elsewhere to have an abortion either. She died as a result of that. This is within the last 10 years, I think, this happened, yeah, this case, yeah? Uh, and so, you know, this is, uh, you know, some people will kind of almost say, yeah, you know, it shouldn't be allowed and this and that. And no, Islam has a perfect balance when it comes to... So sorry, what's the question you're asking me? So the question I'm asking is this. What you're saying is that, you know, the, the kind of whole pro-choice argument. Then what is the alternative, you know? Is it pro-life and then not allowing it? And you're saying that's totally detrimental to the reality of women. And I'm saying, no, our position is not pro-choice. It's still allowance. It's, it's allowed within certain parameters, with certain governing principles, and with certain guidelines to it. That's the way that this, this whole thing is within Islam, yeah? But what does it look like? What do you think it looks like in a, in a society? What do you think it looks like? With all the variations of the type of Muslims that you have. Okay, I, I think the way it looks like in those societies is that, uh, and interestingly, you know, a lot of Muslim societies, abortion is not available. Okay, so Actually, that's a good question. What, what is the position with some Muslim countries? I, I, I don't really know, but from what I generally understand, even though this is the interesting thing, when I look at the fatawa that come from Al-Azhar, you know, one of the world's renowned institutes, yep, yep, from yep. the legend of Dari Mervis, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia, from uh, Pakistani ulama, all of them, all of them are agreed because it's firmly, you know, like I said, established in Islamic jurisprudence. So they will have all these rulings, they know what the rulings are. So therefore, if it's allowed, then in Saudi and in Egypt and other places, therefore abortion should be allowed. And I, but I don't know, and I don't know how it's kind of administered in, in these countries and it's generally done very discreetly or whatever okay uh, but yeah it'd be interesting to find out how it is done you know um, now coming back onto it so we haven't finished kind of building up the whole kind of Islamic perspective on this then we have the post 120 day as we said so what happens is that we go from what we call legitimate reason to pressing need in, i.e. there has to be what we call an absolute necessity dorura for doing so, where the life of the mother is clearly something which is at risk, established by medical practitioners. So at every, and this can go all the way up, and that doesn't post 120 days, further, you know, because if it's going to kill the mother, or, and, uh, you know, it's clearly something harmful, then, you know, Islam is a religion of knowledge and wisdom and understanding, based upon emerging facts, and then, you know, this is what the, the, the position in relation to abortion is. Now, okay, what sh how should we deal with the whole issue of, you know, what's happening in America? What position should we take? What do you think? Well, based, on, based on what I've said to you, what do you think we should, well, we should do? Well, well. Uh, well, based upon what you're saying, the American position is very different. The current American position is very different to what, even within the realms of differences, yeah. what the Islamic position is. Um, uh, under the American system right now, you're going to have many women who are going to suffer psychologically and physically mm -hmm. because of this this ban. And there are Muslim women there as well who are not going to be allowed to have abortions for legitimate reasons based on how. So this is. Yeah, so this is, it's essentially it's, it is it is very different to the it, American it's, position. It's, it's, it's totally different. Yeah, it's a denial of freedom of expression of religion. Think about it. 
you know, obviously the religious right position is that it's not allowed under any circumstances because they consider it as sacred life right from the beginning. We don't. This is why I don't like it that Muslims uncritically take on the, uh, you know, the... Why group. do they do that? What? Who? The Christians? No, why do... Why do... Muslims. Because one that I was... I, I know they don't know what they're talking about yeah, a lot of the time, yeah? I uh -huh. mean, I've just done a broad brush stereotype of Muslims, right? But yeah. typically don't know what you've just spoken about. But so what, what leans people towards social so conservatives? Tourism. Two reasons. I think there are two reasons. One, there's an inferiority complex. You know, they see the, uh, the Christians having a particular position and yes, it seems like as they espouse it, it's a very good position that, you know, sacredness of human life should not be violated in under any circumstances whatsoever. And then Muslims just uncritically accept it because they don't know when and where we are not teaching people these issues. We're not instructing people on these issues and we're not having the this issues. We're only talking about it now because of the ruling, you know, what's happening in America. You know, I've. I've done some articles before on, on the past, you know, and I've obviously, you know, you know, done a lot of research into the issue over the years. Uh, you know, that's because I'm a practitioner. I'm someone who's involved in this particular field. Again, I've got to say, overwhelmingly, 90% of Muslims that I've come across are shocked when I actually say this is what Islam actually teaches, and I have to show them in the books the theological positions on this, yeah, and various scholars and teachers who have actually said this is something which is permissible and allowed. And, and the and the rulings on it. So, so I think what needs to happen in, uh, uh, in not just in America, everywhere is that you know Muslims should confidently assert this is the Islamic position, because we actually provide a real middle ground here, you know, and uh, you know we offer a real kind of uh, solution to to the kind of issues that that are out there. I think it's a really Islamic Islam's position is a really balanced position on that. Obviously, people will dismiss it because they you know. It, pro-life is so entrenched with pro-feminist thinking and, and liberal thinking in, 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 in our societies, in Western democracies, that, you know, that I don't think people will entertain it. But I think there will be quite, uh, when I've ever, whenever I've discussed this in uh, kind of what I call mainstream forums, you know, uh, people have been genuinely surprised by what the Islamic position is and how you could say it's, you know, the principles that govern that position as well. And how you know it's something which is really uh, gets the balance right between protecting everyone's rights that are involved. Yeah. Okay. Can, uh, there's something that's rattling around in my head, right? Um, so we, we've spoken about this as an issue in and of itself, but it also is interesting as an example of the interplay in a liberal democracy between the secular and the religious. Okay. Right. So using this as an example. Right. Yeah. Um, what is so? Ultimately, there's going to be people. This you know, you know, who who hear this position, right, and say, well, it doesn't go far enough. Okay. Right. What so, do you mean? Or what you mean? So, uh, you mean yeah. liberals? No. Yeah. Let's just say uh, Muslims or okay. non-Muslims who are like, it's my body, my choice, and nobody else should have a say. And all of this stuff you're talking about, yeah, it's maybe a little bit different from America, but it doesn't go far enough. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. So, I guess the question is, as many of us do live in liberal democracies around the world, yeah. where there's essentially a society that's been created in order to protect the rights of individuals and communities whilst enabling people to live together. 
okay. uh, in a tolerant society, uh -huh. right? Um, how how can this position be presented, or can this position be ever, ever be so. presented in such a way that actually delivers justice or what actually people want, or shouldn't it? Okay. Shouldn't we be bothered about that? Yeah. You see, look, obviously, we're getting into when we when we look at the whole issue of how this. You know, how to find a balance in, in Western liberal democracies, secular democracies, yeah. And we're obviously, you've got to realize, you know, that people are not in the institution of marriage either. So, come on, this is, a, this is another issue, yeah, which then... Muslims too. Yeah, abs absolutely, yeah. And I think this is something we should, we should discuss as well here. What I will actually go as far as to say, and I will advocate for this, I think the Islamic position is actually something which is perfect on a universal level. Of course, I would say that. Because I say, look, look. It gives women the right to choose within 40 days for legitimate reasons and then 40 to 120. Now look, really, if, if there is up to 120 days, you know, you can't find a, a legitimate reason for, you know, this, then really, you know, you, this isn't something which is, as I say, valid. Because really at that point, you now have, uh, like I said, you know, it's gone from from embryological to, to fetal, yeah, you're right. It is with the soul, it's a living being, yeah. So, and then after 120 days, Islam is not being uh, rigid. It's recognizing that you're right. If there's harm for the for the for the mother, that's uh, you know pressing issue, then it allows it. So, if you think about it, it's, it's, I really think it's has the balance of all aspects here. But obviously, look, we're talking about secular, liberal, Western democracies where, you know, you're right, you know, this is not within the institution of marriage, uh, or, you know, you're right, not even in relationships that women, where if, if there is promiscuity, this is the reality of it as well, that, you know, a man can impregnate X number of women through casual sex, she gets pregnant, he will not accept any paternity or whatever, yeah? And then, so this is where the pro-life, you've got to realize where the pro-life position comes from, that women then feel disadvantaged by this whole situation. I'm not saying that this, you know, should then just liberalize the issue. That's, you know, let's put a context on it. The men run away all these cases, yeah? The women's on men. And you know, look, how many cases have we had of, uh, you know, politicians who get their secretaries or whatever, you know, uh, pregnant and then pay for their abortions, yeah, and things like this. Yeah, come on, this is disgraceful, yeah? You know, and maybe even forcing them uh, to do so, yeah. So, but now, but I want you to, I want to throw up a, you know, a kind of a hypothesis, an example to you. Okay, so we have a Muslim girl who, as a result of a casual relationship, ends up pregnant. The boy's done a runner. She's pregnant. Yeah. What should we do? What should we do? You know, she's 16, 17. What should we do? Gosh, I, I have no idea. And what, what, what would people say? Which people? Just generally in the Muslim space, what would happen? Well, she, well probably, probably be a socially conservative perspective, which is have the child. Okay, why? And I, I want to tell you what I hear, you know, this is the thing, you know, have the child. Yeah. Because essentially it's a very similar mindset to the kind of, I guess, the mindset of the evangelicals over in yeah. over in the States, yeah, which is, like, you know, the life is sacred, you know, um, and therefore, you know, to destroy the life is akin to murder, yeah. okay. right? Yeah, yeah. And so therefore that should not happen. And therefore, it's something as rudimentary as that is probably the thinking. Probably, I don't know. Do you know what? I think there are kind of like 
three kind of perspectives on it. You know, obviously one is have the child and then give it up for adoption. Number two is have the child almost as a punishment to the mother. You got yourself pregnant, now you've got to live with it. It's almost like punitive, right? you know. Have the child and then let's cover it up by marrying you to X, Y, and Z or things like this, yeah? And then making up some kind of narrative around how the child came, okay? Or, you know, so the point of the matter is, if you are going to then, if you're going to do this, own it, you know? Don't stigmatize that mother, own it, and family own it, everyone own it, and say, you know what, it is what it is, you know, we are not, we are not going to stigmatize in any way, shape or form, or cover up, or, you know, uh, like I said, look for any kind of uh, way out, we're going to own this situation. And that's really, until you get to that point, yeah, then you're right. You know, I, I would respect people who are following the pro-life position, if, if that is the case. But no, if you look at the, you know, the Catholic Church, and the way that the Catholic Church dealt with, you know, unwed mothers, yeah, unwed women, women who had pregnancies, and they would put them into obviously, uh, uh, you know, homes for unwed mothers, yeah, and then the, the children would be born, and they would be immediately given away to good Catholic families, yeah. This is, you know, and all because abortion is allowed, and then those women would be deeply traumatized by that whole experience, and still stigmatized in society, yeah, and have a loss of their child, yeah. That is not. That's not owning it. That's still uh, deeming that she is uh, sinful and she's done wrong and this is almost punitive, yeah? You know, I would respect the pro-choice position if they fully owned it. Does that, I don't know if that makes sense to you or that resonates with you, yeah? I mean, I don't... Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, it just, it just gets... It gets comp it does get a little bit complicated. Of course it's very complicated. No, ultimately, ultimately within the debate, because it, 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 it's one of those polarizing things, right? Within the general debate, if you say you've got pro-life and you've got pro-choice, yeah. right? You do have, I guess with most of these things, those are the loudest voices. But there's a significant number of people in the middle okay. which are kind of willing to compromise. Yeah, they're kind of willing to compromise. And, and, so, this, and this is why the Islamic position is, I think, ideal here, because it provides the middle ground in this whole matter. I, my own personal view is that, you know, here we have a... Look, let's, let's really contextualize it. Teenage girl has sex. And look, I, I deal with these cases every day. I had a case where there was a teenage girl, can't go into too many details, but, you know, 15-year-old, and boys would come from far and wide to have sex with her because, you know, she was, had serious vulnerabilities. She ends up getting pregnant, you know, at the age of 15, 16. To me, you know, really, this is not uh, a blessing. You know, I really want to, I know people are really going to have a go at me for saying that, you know. This is an extremely vulnerable, damaged child who multiple boys were coming to see and have sex with, yeah. And, uh, and she's not fit to uh, have a child. And you know, so if we go on to that pro-choice that, you know, that, that, so the equipment would be, oh no, she'll give, have a child and give it up. No, she doesn't want to do that, okay? Or, you know, she will live with this child, she's not fit to... That's pro-life, by the way. Yeah, the pro, yeah, okay, sorry? That's pro-life you're talking about. What? The pe the oh, pro-life, pro-life, yeah, yeah, absolutely, no pro-choice, yeah, okay, can I? So, yeah. And uh, anyway, so, you know, it, it's clear, 
you know, in this case, I've had cases of individuals over the years who have, like I said, clinical, clinically diagnosed mental health problems and people who have learning disabilities, yeah, in this situation. But that, it doesn't always have to be these extreme cases. We're talking about a teenage girl, you know, who uh, uh, hasn't got, especially in the Muslim space, no experience of life, none, doesn't know what she's doing, has got pregnant, okay? You know, generally either send her abroad, send her away, you know, she'll come back miraculously after a year, what, all this kind of stuff, yeah? If you are really pro-choice, own it. Don't send her away and then pass on the baby to someone else. Okay, that's what I say, yeah. Pro-life. Okay, yeah, pro-life, yeah, position, yeah. And, uh, you know, and then she's traumatized by the loss of her child as well. You know, I had a child and it's gone and, and this is what happened to me and all this kind of stuff, yeah. There's a lot of hypocrisy, I find, in this position. There's a lot of hypocrisy, and this is really now where we get down to the argument. You and I both know it, no one wants to talk about it, yeah? But there's a lot of a hypocrisy, yeah? Yeah, you know, when a pregnancy occurs, you know, for some people, yeah, that, you know, obviously if this is being bursty or dishonor or whatever, or if it's a, let's say, a, a religious person or, or a, you know, infidelity or all these kinds, suddenly they, all, they find the fatwas. They find the fatwas then, yeah? And, you know, they give the rulings then. You know, uh, but then, you know, for the lay people, it's, uh, you know, we have this moral condemnation and this, oh, well, you know, you did this, so now you have to live with the consequences of this. And that's why, you know, on both sides, look, there are really challenging, complex issues, as, as we said, we've discussed here. That's why I think the Islamic position is so brilliant in terms of finding really the middle ground here. And, uh, and it could be, you know, look, what for this young 15, 16 year old girl who's not capable of looking after a child and has really unstable personal circumstances, there is legitimate reason there. I just want to finish with the whole issue of rape, because I think we do have to talk about sexual violence and rape, yeah? People would say, though, it's, it's unequivocal then, you know, it's you know, absolutely you know, clear that, you know, in this case, that if a woman is pregnant as a result of rape, yeah, then. Uh, you know, she can't bring up this child. She's deeply traumatized. The, the trauma association with the with the child and the pregnancy will have long-term impact. Yeah, uh, and therefore, you know, she is fully within her legitimate rights to have an abortion. What do you think about that position? I mean, it it, it seems clear cut. Okay. It seems clear cut that that's a legitimate reason. Okay. To me, it seems. But you also know that you know when the mass rapes happened in Bosnia, there was also the ruling that, no, you know, a child cannot be born, blamed for the way that they came into the world. So that's the actual statements that were used. The child cannot be blamed for the way that they, and from this maybe the, you know, this is a child that is born as a result of, a, you know, a rape as a weapon of war in rape camps where Serbians raped Bosnian women, yeah. And you know, in some of these cases, I've seen some of these stories where, you know, uh, you know, Bosnian women did have these babies and really very commendable that they showed this resilience and, and you know, brought up these children, weren't stigmatized by their communities. Yeah, but they, were, they chose it. Yeah, they chose, they chose right. it. And I respect, I respect. They chose that. it, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a legitimate but, but, reason. But, but, but when, what we happen is this. Is it not? Yeah, totally, totally. And that's what I'm saying, in these situations, yeah, you can, you give them the options and then you let people do it themselves. You know, and one isn't a benchmark over the others. That's the whole thing. So the woman who did have the child and then looks after it and is loving towards that child and some dissociates the way that that child came into the world, yeah, 
you know, should not be somehow elevated above the woman who, for example, said, no, I can't have this child. This child is born out of a, an act of war, yeah, and, you know, violation. And so, you know, both positions are legitimate. That's the beauty of the Islamic position. If people choose that in these matters where there's differences of opinion to follow one position over another position, the way of Islam is that it says, alhamdulillah, both are allowed and we should not neither denigrate or stigmatize or, you know, uh, diminish one over, over the other. There's a lot of discussion. It's a lot, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I think there's some, been some very healthy commentaries, discussions, and uh, you know, expositions of this, both online and offline. And really, I think what I say to all people out there is go and do your research. Do your research. You know, get some knowledge, get some understanding. Look at the people who are the experts in the field. Look what they're saying. You know, and look at what Islamic jurisprudence has also said about this. And, you know, it's quite amazing how, you know, on a contemporary issue, Islam has so much to say. And that's why I don't like it when Muslims just take, you know, a black and white position on it or an uncritical position on it. Okay, and breathe. Okay, that got a bit intense, didn't it? Um, really enjoyed that discussion with Ilyas. Uh, it's always good to, to talk through and chew the fat over these very, very heavy and important issues. Hope you got something out of it. I'm sure many of you will have comments that you'd like to make, and I encourage that. Please just make them constructive, not destructive. The email address is divorcedmuslim, divorcedmuslimdad at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at M-O-I-A-Z-A-M. Always love hearing from you. If you do have a suggestion for future episodes or you simply wish to take part, the kind of people I'm looking for on the podcast are basically they fall into one of two categories. Uh, number one, uh, those with a significant personal story which you're happy and comfortable to share um, and you think will be of benefit to the wider community and also uh, subject matter experts. So we're talking about relationship therapists, uh, general therapists, um, uh, uh, life coaches, uh, etc. Yeah, you get you get the idea, legal experts. So if you're in that category and you want to come on, you just have to get in touch and we'll have a chat and we'll see if you can make it happen. All right, take care. See you next time. Assalamu alaikum.